Welcome to Unleash Your Greatness. I'm Adam Platt. Today, we're going to be talking about resilience and overcoming major trauma in your life with my guest, Leah Evert, and her story of overcoming stage four cancer. And so we're going to get into that topic right after the introduction. The question people often ask themselves is, is there more for me out there? Am I capable of more, of doing more, being more, and having greater success in this life? The answer to that question is yes. I believe that everybody has greatness within themselves and that success leaves clues. And if we can take those clues, we can unlock the greatness within ourselves. I'm Adam Platt and welcome to Unleash Your Greatness. Welcome everybody to Unleash Your Greatness. I'm Adam Platt and today I have a super amazing guest on. Her name is Leah Evert. Did I say that right? Evert? Yeah. Perfect. I'm horrible with names. So I, I know I mess up about half of these <laughs> names, but uh, Leah Evert, and she is a uh, stage four cancer survivor. She's also a dietitian or a certified dietitian and psychologist, exercise psychologist, and a wellness expert, a well being expert. She is also the author of Nourishing Resilience, the book, which is a number one Amazon new release bestseller. And so I'm excited to have Leah on and to talk about her experience of overcoming uh, cancer as well as how to be more resilient in life. So Leah, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So um, we uh, chatted a little bit about your story uh, uh, I guess two weeks or so ago now, um, but I want everybody to kind of understand how. So let's let's kind of go back to your story, wherever it begins, of how you uh, you know diagnosed with cancer, and they give you two years to live, right? And you beat those odds. So I want to kind of tap into that story. So I'm going to turn the time over to you. You can tell it better than me. So I'm just let you tell it so that uh, you can, yeah. Let's hear your story about overcoming cancer. Yeah, sounds good. So in 2017, uh, I was 36 years old and uh, living in Washington, D.C. And I was living what I consider to be a very busy and full life. Um, So I was working full time for a health and wellness consulting company. Um, I was actually going back to school to get my MBA part time. And I was also a captain of the United States Army Reserve. So um, I had just been selected to lead my first mission, a humanitarian health mission in Hawaii. So I was in the midst of planning that mission. Um, and all of a sudden, I had come back from vacation and found a lump on my breast, thinking to myself, you know what, this is, I'm sure nothing. I have live a very healthy life. There's not, not one incidence of cancer in my in my family history, there's no breast cancer in anyone in my family. Um, and so I thought, I'll just go get this checked out. I'm sure it's a cyst. Uh, and when I went and got it checked out and had <clears throat> had the radiologist do an ultrasound, you know, she looked at me and she said, I can tell you this, it's not a cyst. And I can tell you that I'm very worried. Um, and that was day one for me. It was kind of <laughs> ground zero for, for me and what would happen in the rest of my life. After that, we biopsied, uh, we biopsied the area a couple of days later and found out that I had um, invasive cancer, invasive breast cancer, mm. for sure, and that it had invaded a couple of my lymph nodes. So we knew there was some involvement. We knew it was probably stage two or more. 
However, when we were doing more routine tests, my doctor noticed that there were some lesions on my liver. And it turned out that I had stage four cancer, which means that the breast cancer had left the breast, gone through the lymph and through the lymph system and had infiltrated one of my major organs. So in my case, the liver. In fact, my doctor had said that my liver was, quote, riddled with cancer. So they couldn't even count the number of lesions I had. And, you know, it's interesting because we all have heard so much about breast cancer. There's a lot of a lot of publicity around breast cancer awareness and around testing. You know, I was too young for mammograms at that time. I was performing my own self-exam. I had had an exam by my um, by my doctor only three months prior. I just happened to have a very aggressive form that that happened to to metastasize very quickly. So in in a in a minute, I went from having a disease that everyone thinks is totally curable, which is true. Stage one, two, and three breast cancer has like a more than seventy some percent chance of 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 living for five years, to all of a sudden having stage four cancer, where has has metastasized to another organ, and the the five year survival rate is about twenty two percent. The ten year survival rate is between one and four percent. So it's very very low. One of the most deadly cancers. Um, so, what, and what, you know, it was. Go ahead. I was going to say, what what was going through your mind when you heard this news? And and obviously, it's going to the liver is always a horrible thing, right? The liver is yeah. Everything goes out from the liver, basically. So, uh, what was going through your mind when you got this diagnosis of stage four yeah. breast cancer? I think you know. I think it was total denial. <laughs> I thought this. <laughs> cannot be happening to me. Uh, I can't believe that here I am with this, you know, very, it doesn't fit into my life, right? That was my first thing. I was was like, this doesn't fit. I I have too many plans. This isn't what I planned for myself. And being kind of a, kind of like a type A planner type person, that was, that was a really hard thing. It was something that I had to kind of reconcile that all of a sudden I had something that was external that I had no control over. I had no control how severe it was. I had no control what was going to happen in the future. And I felt completely out of control, which was a very uncomfortable feeling for me. So So that was, that was tough. Yeah. Did you go into this mindset of like, I'm going to beat this or were you kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't know how this is happening. (laughs) How is this going to affect my life? Am I going to, you know, uh, that must be crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's those of us that are in the stage four community, I think a lot of us have what we call realistic. Um, we're, we're realistically optimistic. Whereas, yeah, did I think or want to be in that one to 4%? Yeah, I did. I really did. And I thought that I had potentially the opportunity to be in that small group. I had a lot of things going for me. I was young. I was relatively healthy besides the cancer. Um, I was, you know, very committed to my treatment. I had excellent care. Um, and uh, I immediately when I started treatment, I started to see um, a decrease in my tumor size right away. So I knew the cancer was working on me. So I had a lot of things kind of in my corner. So, you know, there were times, of course, where I thought, well, geez, I'm, I, I had asked my oncologist, am I going to die from this? And her response was, oh, yes. I mean, there was not a question. It was, oh, yes, for sure. And she's like, well, I mean, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow and die from that instead. But this will probably kill you. Um, so I had to reconcile that kind of comment, that kind of certainty from her with my own kind of belief that I thought I might be an exception, which is slightly dangerous, right? Because the odds are so bad. And if you put yourself in that exception category, you think you're the exception and then you're not, it can be very, very detrimental to your mental health. So I, I, I kind of thought, well, I, I think I could be in that small percentage and let me see what I can do, what ca- what 
tools do I have at my disposal to put myself in this kind of this small percentage of people that survive this for a long time? And let's, you know, put all my effort towards that. And if that doesn't happen, then then that's okay. I've done my best. And so that that balance was really important to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it's for one, I, I think you've got to go into a mindset of like, I'm going to do everything I can to fight this. Right. Yeah. Cause once you say, uh, that's it, it's over. Then you lose that hope. It, it is over for sure. Right. So, um, I, I, <laughs> and then your, your doctor telling you, oh yeah, this is going to be what ends up killing you. Like that's gotta be a hard thing to hear for anybody. Cause I don't think any of us really want to know how we're going to die. Sure. We're all going to die, but I know very few people actually know or want to know how they're going to die unless they just pass away peacefully in their sleep. Right. Yeah. Give me that. I'll, I'll take right. that any day, but um, <laughs> I don't think anyone really wants to know how they, they probably will die. So, um, so, and, and let's be clear, you, you were taking care of yourself. Like you were very healthy. You were, you were aware of, you're a dietitian. So you're aware of your, you know, what to put in your body, how it affects you, how it uh, takes care. You know, you take care of yourself and you're in the military. Yeah. <laughs> so you obviously have to exercise. You have to be fit for that. Yep. And so I think, I guess the message is here is that number one, if you find something that feels out of the norm in your body, go have it checked, right? Like you did. Because it doesn't matter how healthy you are, how well you take care of yourself, there's always a possibility that something could come up. And so... um, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, I... Yeah, I think that... No, no, that was the tough part for me is I thought, you know, there's... I think a lot of people with, whether it's chronic illness or any sort of terrifying disease like a terminal illness that I've had to deal with, there's a lot of there's a lot of questioning. Why did this happen to me? What did I do specifically? And in my case, I spent a little bit of time doing that. And it seemed like everyone I met also did that. They'd be like, why do you think you got this? Or what did you do in your life? And I could sit here for hours and go back and say, well, I made these poor choices when I was younger. Maybe I had too much sugar, or maybe I drank too many glasses of wine. I mean, there's a lot of things I think I could do. I finally came to the point where I realized that that was that was just not helpful for me in my mindset. I don't need to know why I got it. It happened. It is what it is. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a part of me in my life now that kind of coming to terms with that was really very cathartic. And other people who I've talked to have dealt with these types of situations and are doing and are thriving and are doing well, have also had that same mentality. It's not sticking with the past. It's like, Hey, this is what I am. And this is who I am now. It's a part of me. And and I'm just going to accept this and move forward. Yeah. And, uh, I think so. And, and again, anybody could come down with us with, with something like this and it doesn't matter how well you take care of yourself. We can't think of, uh, what could I have done different? I should have done this. I should have done that, whatever. Right. We shouldn't should all over ourselves all the time. Uh, we just have to look to the future and be like, okay, what's my mindset going forward? How am I going to get through this? Uh, I'm going to do everything in my power now to make sure I, Definitely. going forward and better or, you know, kick this, kick this cancer as far away <laughs> as I can. So, um, yeah, totally. I love that. Hey, it's Adam Platt. And I just wanted to jump in here real quick and say, if you're ready to really unleash the greatness within yourself today, and you're ready to surround yourself with like-minded people who are going to help you grow and cheer, cheer you on towards your goals to higher success and achievement, 
then I've created a free community called Unleash Your Greatness with Adam Platt on Facebook. Come and join that community. It's free. You can come and join today. And uh, it's again, it's called Unleash Your Greatness with Adam Platt. And people on that community are going to help. I'm in there. I'm going to be commenting and giving free resources on things that can help you grow and succeed in life. So come join today and we will see you on the inside. So, so you're diagnosed and now you're like, okay, how do I now move through this so I can become in that one to 4%. And so walk us through that, that journey. Sure. And yeah, I think one of the things that was most disappointing was as a nutritionist, I thought, Hey, you know, I'm very passionate about you using food as fuel, using what you can to help you with your life, right? Like you're, you know, it's, it's all in a quick, it's all a bucket, right? You add in different types right. of things to your life and, and um, you do what you can to kind of keep that bucket full, I suppose. But um, for me specifically as a nutritionist and exercise physiologist, I, I thought, okay, what can I do from a nutrition exercise perspective that will help me help kind of add to this equation of getting me to remission. You know, I, I was, I have, I've had over, I've had nearly 70 rounds of chemo. I, I had four and a half months of the hard chemo where you lose your hair. And then I've had continued chemo since then. So I continue to go with traditional treatment, but in conjunction with that, I was, I really wanted to think, I really was trying to understand tumor cell biology and trying to understand what could I do from a nutrition perspective that can help maybe cause these cancer cells to die out while still nourishing the rest of my body. And I became really upset because there aren't a lot of really great studies. There's some studies that are out there that, that put these, these kind of things together, but there's not a lot of funding for these kind of kinds of studies. So for example, there are a handful of studies that show that certain brain cancer patients do well on a reduced carbohydrate, more like a keto style diet, because um, some of these cells, some of these tumor cells specifically grow and feed off of sugar specifically. So there's a lot of suggestions that if you reduce sugar or if you reduce the amount of circulating blood sugar in your, in, you know, in your, in your blood, that you would create a deficit for these tumor cells. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Scientifically, that should make sense. Like, okay. And so I asked my doctor, should I, should I try this keto diet? And she was like, I, I don't know. I don't think so. There's not enough studies there. And then I asked a dietitian, an oncology dietitian, and she said, yeah, I don't know, not enough studies. And I thought, okay, there's two things here. One, if I could be doing anything for myself, I would, to, to make myself live, I'm going to do it. Give me that possibility, number one. Yeah. Number two, why in the world do we not have more studies that show, you know, how your actions can make a difference on your overall, the trajectory of your life, particularly if you've been diagnosed with a, with a terminal illness? So I became very frustrated by that and, and continued to search for studies and realize that they weren't really getting funded because many of them, you know, most funding occurs when there's the viability of a product, right? So, right. you know, um, a drug company is going to fund a drug, a, you know, a, a cancer drug because they're able to, to eventually sell it as a product, right? Like right. The, the drugs that I'm on right now, each drug costs about $10,000 per infusion, $10,000 for one drug. Wow. Um, I was on a drug at a time where it cost, Oh, nearly $700 per pill. So every pill once a day, I took cost $700. And there, you know, that's just, that's the nature of the beast, right? But if you were to determine that there was, you know, an eating strategy or an exercise or a mindset tool that made a difference in your, t- in your, in your cellular biology of the tumor, yeah. 
what would be the output, right? There's not, you know, there's not something you could sell. You're just, you're just discovering that something that you do. So, so anyway, there's not a lot of profitability in these types of strategies. So my best friend and I, she's an exercise physiologist too. Um, we decided to start a foundation where we actually start to fund these kinds of projects that equate your behaviors with improved outcomes in late stage cancer patients. So nutrition, exercise, mindset, um, and we're starting to see some interesting things. We don't, you know, we don't make a ton of money, but we make some. And with that, we, we are, you know, 100% volunteer led. All of the money that we raise goes to support these types of research projects. Um, and so we've funded one nutrition study, two um, exercise oncology studies, and we are about to determine our 2020 grant this year. So. That's amazing. Uh, I, and I think that we need more of that study for sure. So I think it's fantastic that you're doing that, that work because, uh, you know, it's such a difference between Eastern medicine and Western medicine, right? Eastern medicine is focused more on, uh, you know, prevention instead of just the reaction to diseases and, and things like that. And, uh, I think that exercise diet, uh, the right frame of mind or mindset is a huge factor in how we can overcome not just, you know, illness, but anything in life, right? Like having the energy, putting the right things in our body, doing the, the work, putting, uh, having the emotional and the mental capacity to focus on what you really want is a huge impact. I mean, there's tons of studies about psychology and the effects it has on when, when people just give up hope. They're pretty much dead, right? Uh, Victor Frankel talks about it in his Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, he says he could, they could pretty much determine within a, a day or so when a, a prisoner in the concentration camp he was held in was going to die because they just gave up hope, right? And so I love that you're doing studies that focus around more of the holistic and the uh, more Eastern type approach to uh, overcoming these types of illnesses. And, uh, so that's fantastic. That's awesome. We definitely need more of that. And you're right. There's this, there's so much, um, I think, and this is just me speaking again, uh, because I don't know a ton about it, just what I read or what I perceive, but there's so much politics or, um, you know, putting money in someone's pocket around medications and, you know, these different pharmaceutical companies. And it is, I mean, yeah, they spend a lot of money to develop these drugs to, you know, kind of help people get better. And do they really work like fully or could they do more? Right. That's the question. And uh, so I I, I love your approach that you're taking with it. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's hard. It's hard to begrudge the pharmaceutical industry. I do think that they made a that the drugs that I've taken have made a huge impact sure. on my, saving my life. However, I also think that they've been the you know the cause of a lot of side effects and may may have a you know if, if I'm to live a lot longer may have had a negative effect on my life too. And so I just I just fully believe that there's an equation, right? It's like some drugs, it's some therapy, it's some you know it's yeah. some stuff within our power. And I think that oftentimes the Western mentality is let's just attack, let's just do, you know, let's attack with this pharmaceutical strategy and not integrate some of these other kind of complementary strategies, which I think is a myth. So, yeah, 
I agree. And it, yeah. I think it's that way, not only in your case, but in uh, medicine in general, in Western civilization yeah. is a Western medicine is, I mean, you can talk to parents who have kids on, uh, you know, Ritalin and, and things like that. And probably they just need to find a better outlet for their kids, a more creative outlet or it, it just seems to be the norm of like, oh, we're just going to have you take this medication. And you're going to be okay. Well, okay is not great, right? It's okay. It's right. masking symptoms. It's right. covering up what really could be uh, causing you to get better or or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I love everything here you're doing. That's that's amazing work. So, um, thank you. So you are you and your friend are funding this. You're getting grants. You're doing this research. What has the kind of the results been of what you've done so far? You said there's been some some good results, but uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on kind of what you found so far? Yeah. So our first study funded um, specific nutrients on on what their effect was on the like essentially these little pieces of tumors um, and whether or not nutrition specifically played a role in, in cellular growth or cellular death, tumor cellular growth or tumor cellular, cellular death. And we found several nutrients that actually slowed tumor growth or actually caused tumors to die, some, some wow. which you've probably heard of before, any of these high levels of antioxidant like um, turmeric um, specifically. And, um, and then we also found that strategies of a typical Western diet, which is high in fat, sodium, et cetera, could potentially cause tumor cells to grow further. So some things that wasn't necessarily anything that we didn't know, but I think a lot of the studies that are out there that we know about are more in, in focus around prevention of cancer. And we're more focused on once you have cancer, what strategies could you use that could have an impact on actual the actual tumor cell? So that was kind of a new new thing for us. The second and third study, we're still re- waiting on results of, about uh, about them, but we worked with Memorial Sloan Kettering in um, in New York, and um, and basically they have an, an entire exercise physiology lab for exercise oncology. And one of the things that's really interesting when you're diagnosed with cancer is I think you get coddled a lot, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You get, you have cancer. It is a horrible thing to deal with. And if you just want to lay around and do nothing, I, you know, I cannot begrudge someone for that. But um, there's not a lot of encouragement for movement during cancer, you know, and there are emerging studies that suggest that movement, cardiovascular movement in particular may actually have a role in tumor cell, cell death. And, that's not something that's ever told to anyone in treatment, right? You're like, just right. re- relax. And, you know, you go to a cancer center and you're going to see cookies and crackers and ice cream around and you're going to be asked to relax. Well, I mean, you know, when I could, when I was going through chemo, I, I did as much as I possibly could. I thought that that was a really important thing for me mentally. Um, and then it's turning out that it's probably, it probably played a role in me getting to a point where I'm in, in total remission, which was wow. not something we ever expected to happen. And, and here I am. That's amazing. So, so, so yeah. you, you kind of pushed yourself to still be active, especially, you know, when it came to uh, cardiovascular exercising, uh, get your heart rate yep. up, get the blood flowing. Uh, and you, you know, that's, I'm sure it wasn't easy, right? You're on all these medications, you know, chemo and, and all these horrible things that are just, you know, chemicals pumped into your body. You, I'm sure you felt horrible most of the time. 
but you still are like, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. Even if it's just a little bit of something, right? Um, you probably made you want exactly. to throw up half the time. Because uh, <laughs> from what I hear, I, I personally have not gone through it, but I've known people and, and it is horrible. Like chemotherapy yeah. and, and these drugs just, they cause havoc on your body. I mean, they basically are killing you slowly because they've got to kill the cancer, right? Um, exactly right. So it can't be, can't be an easy thing for you to push yourself to be uh, active still. Um, it yeah, definitely. And it, it was kind of an interesting, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. It was an interesting balance because I wanted to provide myself with the best chance of living, but also be gentle with myself under yeah. understanding I was going through something extraordinarily difficult, but the majority of people at my age had not ever had to deal with. Mm. So there was this delicate balance of like, how do I find, you know, I'm not going to go to some and I, I had to drop out of the army, even though I did after chemo, I did complete one more fitness test just to prove I could do it. And then, <laughs> then, then, then resign my commission. But, um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, what I've found for me that works really well is instead of it, you know, exercises become something that I feel very privileged to do instead of something that I have to do. And so I find ways for exercise to be really exciting and interesting and fun for me. You know, there's less of the going to gym and, and, you know, doing reps anymore and more of okay well can i do can i run through in, you know on the beach or can i take a hike through the woods or can i go skiing or can i do paddle boarding which is one of my favorite summertime activities so what do these activities give me kind of the dual benefit of cardiovascular exercise as well as like time in nature experiencing things or doing with someone whether it's my dog or friends or family all of those things kind of together have allowed it to be very enjoyable um, and not something that I'm forcing myself to do. And so I think I'm getting kind of a double benefit of just, you know, my exercise that may have an impact on, on my cancer. And then also the mindset that I get from it, from, from completing it or even during it. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that, that release of uh, accomplishment into your, your mind is, is it's really, I would think a type of fighting you know uh a way of fighting it right fighting the cancer fighting the the ability to give up and uh and and i teach us to uh people who i coach is get the momentum going and that's really what you're yeah. talking about keep the momentum going and not just sitting around and being like oh poor woe is me uh, get out and do something and, and it's not always easy maybe it's just a, a walk around the block or something like that but do something exactly. Um, yeah, to get you you moving and and just uh, hopefully maybe even take your mind off of the horrible thing that you're going through at the time. So um, I, I love the fact that you're doing things that you love too, like paddleboarding and being with your friends and being with your dog and exercising out, hiking things like that. So uh, a huge benefit, I'm sure, for not only people who are are dealing with this type of thing, but anybody. I mean, really. Anybody who's under stress or uh, feeling like they just are a little overwhelmed, get out and do something. Like it's it's so beneficial in so many ways for anybody. I think so. Um, that's awesome. Totally. So, totally. Um, so your book is called Nourishing Resilience, and I want to talk about that for just a little bit. What that means and how you can accomplish nourishing nourishing resilience, and what resilience means to you personally after going through such uh, traumatic thing in your life. And, and, you know, there's no guarantee that it won't come back. Hopefully it won't. You're in remission. That's amazing. Um, 
But what does that mean? Like, t- tell us a little bit about this nourishing resilience. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of a play on on words in a way. Um, I I think you you know when it comes when I when I was first diagnosed, one of my biggest things was I felt like I had lost control over my life. Mm. This this thing had come in and invaded invaded everything about my life, my yeah. personal life, my professional life, my health. Everything had just stopped in a moment, and I felt powerless. And um, I I think that one of the things that has been very important to me is to try and find ways that I can make an impact on my overall survivability, what I could do specifically, what I could seek out, whether it's nutrition, exercise, mindset, kindness, doing for others, um, you know, all, all of those kind of things were things that I had within my control. And so I thought about ways that, you know, resi- resilience has been kind of the key for me is how do I get this horrible terminal diagnosis given two years to live and how do I live with that? How do I sit with that specifically? And what can I do specifically to grow from that? The, when I started writing the book, I, I started out by talking about strategies. My first couple of stories were about strategies that I used to kind of beat the odds. Because here I am four years later, uh, no evidence of cancer whatsoever. Uh, doctors kind of don't know what to do with me, which is an amazing place to be. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so a lot of people had questions. Hey, what did you do? Did you do this kind of diet? Did you stop drinking alcohol? Did you do this kind of exercise? And I, there, I have some things that I've, that I've tried, but I don't think anything in and of itself was a strategy that I feel like comfortable prescribing to another human being. But I started to, so instead of doing that, I started to think, I, I started to write and I talked instead more about how my entire mindset had changed throughout this experience and how after dealing with this trauma, I felt like a stronger, better person. And yes, it's easy to say, because I'm telling you now that I'm doing so well, but I started writing this book, I still had a terminal diagnosis, I was still being told I did, we had no idea when cancer would come back. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after the book was published that we started that my doctor started to tell me that they thought that my cancer was probably gone for good. And we were just monitoring at this point, which is but anyway, so when I was writing it, I was writing it from the perspective of someone who had been dealt this horrible hand and had instead felt empowered by it. And I realized that I had done a fair amount of things to essentially feed this concept of resilience. And so that's where nourishing resilience comes from. I've been feeding it. And of course, since I'm a dietitian, that's all oh, the feeding part is very important. <laughs> But when I started writing about myself, I, I thought that it might be interesting to get some perspective from other people that had been dealt a terrible hand or a terrible trauma and had experienced this concept of post-traumatic growth, where afterwards they felt surprisingly more empowered, better, had a different mindset, et cetera, mm. right? And like someone who had had some sort of traumatic accident and afterwards is like, wow, I have clarity now, or wow, I can do this, that, this, that, and the other with my life because I've experienced that. Right. And so I started to interview a bunch of people in my life that I had known personally or through a connection that had experienced some level of trauma. So um, I interviewed a woman, um, Nancy, who had been a world-class triathlete and had been hit by a distracted driver on a training run and given a near zero chance of surviving. And I interviewed my um, another friend who at age 30 out of the blue had a stroke and had to relearn how to walk and talk. 
Um, and another friend, my friend Dallas, who had been in a diving accident and had um, had become a um, a tetraplegic, which is kind of a mix between a paraplegic and a quadriplegic. And so all of these people had experienced some level of trauma. And I thought it was interesting that we had very similar mindsets, even though I didn't have an accident. Mine was something very different. All of them had had some sort of accident or adverse health events. We all had this kind of gratefulness that I thought was so odd. I, here I am with terminal cancer and the veil has been pulled back. We all go through life thinking that we're going to live, we're going to meet these certain goals and I'm going to live till I'm 50 and I'm going to save up for retirement and then I'm going to live here and then I'm going to have this. And all of a sudden it was like, well, that's not guaranteed to anyone. You just, me, I've just been able to kind of realize that that's not guaranteed and I've been shown what the truth is. And the truth is that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, as cliche as that sounds, we're not. Right. And so now I have the opportunity to make decision, decisions and choices in the now. I'm much more present and I'm much more able to, um, to say yes to things. Um, and I'm much more hesitant um, to put things off. Um, and all of us had that kind of same realization. It was like, wow, life is short. Like I said, it's very cliche, but life is short. What can I do in the now? And we ended up, I ended up kind of realizing that were, there were like six key pillars that were helping these people feel like they were thriving um, instead of spiraling out of control, which every single one of them could have based on the change in, in their lives. And it was Nutrition, everything, you know, everyone took some sort of control over what they put in their body using food as fuel instead of just something to, to put in your mouth. Uh, exercise, every single one of them used exercise in some way, whether it was to improve their mindset or to ensure that their body was as healthy as possible. Um, mindset, like we've talked about how important it is to kind of set your own mind. Um, kindness, so actually doing for others how important it is to actually put kind of positivity out in the world to other humans, you in turn will inevitably see that. Um, and so there's just like this, this cycle um, of kindness is you're putting it out in the universe. Wow. Love, um, which a lot of people don't think of it's not necessarily in the way that we all traditionally like your partner, but having, having and giving lots of love out into the universe is also very helpful and has been a huge contributor to everyone's growth um, and resilience. Um, and so those are the things that I think our, our people, all of us found that we were leaning on to get through these adverse moments and feel stronger after. Um, so that's, that's what the book's about. It's talking through those principles, it's sharing their stories, um, and then, you know, giving people a little bit of guidance around resilience, how they can use those principles specifically for their own growth, no matter whether, you know, no matter their circumstance, like you don't have to have had have been diagnosed with a terminal illness to feel to feel some motivation from this book. You should feel that way for any sort of small adversity. Wow, awesome! Uh, I I absolutely love that. And um, <clears throat> excuse me the the premise of you know just being resilient because you're you know out there focusing on things that are different because you have a different perspective, right? You have. Uh, what I call more mortality perspective. Uh, a lot of people haven't experienced that yet because they haven't had to deal with uh, the end of their life yeah. or or something like that. And so, um, just having that perspective of, hey, you know, I'm going to live my life uh, to the fullest. I'm going to put myself out there. Um, you know, be healthier, uh, exercise. I'm going to love. I'm going to be kind. Uh, all these things that we 
often take for granted. And, um, yeah, that's, that's just absolutely beautiful and, uh, amazing that you've got that, that perspective now. Um, and I think it's great that you said that you don't have to have gone through something like you went through to gain that perspective. You can read the book, you can, uh, you, you can work on yourself, right? We can all change our, our mindset in a way to activate those things in our life more fully. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Uh, thanks for sharing those, those pillars of, you know, resilience. And, um, you know, I, I think as you were talking about the different things, the pillars, uh, it really is coming down to having a, a perspective of, um, Oh, I just had it in my mind. Uh, but, you know, having, it's not necessarily about, res- like, it is resilience, but it's having this concept of um, no matter what happens, I'm going to be the best I can, right? Um, because yeah. even though you do those things, there's no guarantee that you're not going to have problems still, that you're not going to find struggles still, right. that cancer might not come back or or whatever, right? So, uh, when you're, you're speaking about resilience, it's, it's just having that frame of mind of, um, you know, I'm going to live, uh, life, right? Like just be more in the moment, more present, um, more intentional about things that you're doing, uh, spending time with those you care about and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. I think that is a key to reason. I think when we think of resilience, I guess we always think of like, I can take anything I can, you know, and, and we don't, it doesn't have to be that like this tough guy right. facade that we put on. Um, cause it's going to be hard. Like, and, and it's okay to acknowledge it's hard. Um, but being resilient is just putting forth this, uh, this attitude that, you know, I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. So, um, anyways, thoughts on that or am yeah. I totally off the rock? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're totally right. I think the concept of resilience has, it's, you know, it, in when I was in the military, we used the concept of resilience as like, yeah, how do you bounce back after trauma specifically? But it, it came across as how are you ignore, ignoring the bad in your life and just pushing yeah. forward? And I think that that's very common. But, you know, in my, from my, from my perspective, I think there's resilience is a balance between defiance, right? Saying, Hey, this, sure. you know, this isn't me, like yeah. me saying, Hey, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be one of the ones that, 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 you know, dies fast from this disease. I am going to be in the one to 4%. That's, that's the, the defiance in me, but balancing that with acceptance, right? Of ex- mm-hmm. the acceptance of, Hey, I am going to die at some point. Um, maybe from this disease, maybe from something else. My acceptance of that, I think, is very, very cathartic. And those two together, having some value, some defiance, some acceptance, I think, is a very helpful way to to, to fuel resilience. Otherwise, you know, one or the other is not great, right? <laughs> like right. you don't want just sure. to be defiant because then, I think that was my biggest fear. Is I was starting to, you know, I I saw within the first couple of months of treatment, I saw like a rapid decline of my tumors. I had I mean, it was widespread in my, in several different places in my body. And I saw a rapid decline, which was very encouraging. So it was, how do I balance this? You know, doctors are like, oh, that's, 
that's great. That's good to see. But also don't get too excited because everyone dies from this. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not everyone. So a little bit of like, yeah, screw you. I, I, I'm not who I'm not, you know, don't lump me into this category. Um, but a little bit of understanding too, that I was dealing with something very, very serious and it needed to be taken seriously. And, you know, so, so I kind of had that back and forth of like, and I think that that was, that was good. And I felt very helpful. It was helpful to myself to feel that level of like, well, no, not necessarily, but if it happens, I am now able to hand, I am able to handle this. And I think, you know, in my book, I talk a little bit about a couple of other things that I've dealt with in my life. One of which was, I actually had a tumor on my spine when I was 19 that caused a severe amount of pain. I was had major surgery. I was in a neck brace for three months. Um, I was, it went undiagnosed for years and years and I was in a ton of pain, um, addicted to narcotics. It was a whole thing. And so that was something I experienced when I didn't have a lot of resilience going through that experience helped kind of, you know, callous me for when the tumor diagnosis, when the, you know, cancer diagnosis came about 15 years later. Um, so you can use smaller things, not that that was a small thing, but you can use smaller things to start changing your mindset around resilience and see, you know, how that works and how you can kind of use the combination of defiance and acceptance <laughs> to make yourself kind of, um, you know, to, to, to steal yourself against the things that come, that are come your way, but also understand that, listen, bad things happen to every single one of us. And we're not going to go, we can make all these grand plans to do this, that, and the other and live till we're 95. But the reality is bad things happen. So how exactly are we going to live life now to be as happy as happy as we possibly can, but deal with what comes in a very positive and productive way? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, so when I, when I think of it, so I, I call it struggle, right? Or adversity in our lives and we all experience it and it's how we greet that struggle that really matters the most, right? Uh, that's where resilience comes into play. If we have go into that mindset of uh, this sucks, this is awful, I don't want to deal with it, then it's going to be awful. It's going to suck. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter what you do. You're still going to be there. Uh, but if you go in with a mindset of, you know, I'm going to just push forward, I'm going to tackle this the best I can. And, uh, you know, just, I guess, uh, one of the phrases I heard, uh, I remember hearing a talk of a gentleman who was interviewing some Navy SEALs and their, their motto was embrace the suck, right? Um, you just, have Oh yeah. To, right. Uh, being, we use that in our, we use that in the army too. Yeah. Embrace the suck. <laughs> I mean, it, it really yeah, is. And, and so, um, it doesn't matter like what you're going through. It just matters how you interpret it and, and then deal with it, right? How you react to it. And, uh, it's, you know, the fact that you were able to react in such a positive way with this horrible thing that happened in your life and, and multiple things, right? Your your tumor on your spine, as well as this uh, this terminal cancer that you were able to put in remission as of right now, which is amazing, so awesome. And I'm for one just super happy that you're here, that you're teaching, you know, the listeners and myself about this because you're adding so much value to the world around you and it's it's just absolutely phenomenal what you're doing so thank you for thank that you. so much um i want people to who want to get a hold of or reach out to you or connect with you or or get resources your book things like that where can they they find you uh what's yeah. the best way <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm on the socials, of course, on Twitter under Leah at, at Leah Everett, um, on Instagram under at Leah is resilient underscore. Uh, and then my website is leaheverett.com, which is where you can be directed to, you know, anything that I do related to speaking and um, and coaching and so forth. Um, and my book's on Amazon, so very easy to find um, under Nourishing Resilience. Very good. Thank you. Um, yeah. So those listeners listening, please reach out if uh, what Leah has been <laughs> sharing resonates with you like it has with me because she is – full of absolute knowledge uh, in this topic of nourishing res uh, resilience and helping people overcome with the, the right things in their life. Uh, anything really trauma or, you know, any, anything that you're struggling with, I think these principles can be absolutely um, used for any situation. So um, it's, it's amazing. And so I always like to kind of wrap up, the interview in this with this question and so leah if you were to say there's one to maybe three things that someone needs to unleash the greatness within themselves what would those things be <laughs> yeah i mean i think my one thing is to try and do all you can to take control of your life right i mean there's a lot of things that we don't have control over and if you're able to take you know if you're able to control the things um related to your health your mindset, your body, food, nutrition, exercise, mindset, if you're able to kind of have any sort of influence over those, you are setting yourself up for success and good things will come to you. So try and control those things. Try and provide yourself with the best possible chance of, of being your best self. And um, I think you will be able to achieve greatness despite anything that comes your way. Awesome. Love that. That's, that's beautiful. So Thanks for sharing that. I, I agree. Take control of the yeah. things that you can control and don't yep. put a lot of <laughs> emphasis and stress on the things that you can't for sure. So um, Perfect. exactly right. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> beautifully said. So uh, thank you, Leah, for being on the show. I certainly have enjoyed the conversation and the insight that you've shared. And, and your story is amazing. The fact that you went and totally uh, beat cancer and, you know, it's just, it's always such a joy to hear when someone could actually take control of that and, and beat it because there is so much out there that is horrible. And, uh, so inspiring stories like yourself, uh, thanks. doing that is, is so awesome. So, um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that and for being on the show. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank uh, you so much for having me. I'm happy. I'm just so thrilled that, you know, we need more good news in the world. So if my yeah. story shares a little bit of that and provides any of that, then I'm just eternally grateful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it does. And I know that those that are listening have found value in it. Like I have, uh, I've just, I'm inspired by you and your message. So thank, thank you, you so much. And for those who are listening, um, I will put the links underneath this video or podcast so that you can, uh, get Leah's book or reach out to her on Instagram or uh, anywhere else that she is or her website. And um, yeah, so Leah, again, thank you. And everybody who's been listening, thank I appreciate you. your time and go out there and live the best life that you can and start to tap in and unleash your greatness today. Everybody have a wonderful day and we will see you later. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today and I really appreciate you being here and do me a favor. If you like this episode, please 
be sure to subscribe on your favorite uh, platform that you listen to podcasts on. And also leave me a message or a comment or a review. I just really appreciate it. Also, why I've got you here, if you are ready to take your life to the next level, I have an amazing program right now that's called Achievement Monthly. And this is a monthly program where you can come and learn every month from me, Adam Platt, Achievement Coach. And we're going to go, I'm going to go live every month. Come on and help you get to that next level in life, that next level of success, that next level of achievement. Because, you know, up till now, you've, you've done so well and you've done all you can. But sometimes you just need a little bit more help, a little bit more oomph to get you to that next level. And that's what this program is really meant to be. And so it's uh, designed to help you, one, learn what you need to do to get to that next level. And two, it's also meant so that you can uh, network with other people. So we're going to train for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And then we're going to break out into groups so that you can network with other people, get to know them and connect with them so that they can help support you in your goals, your dreams, and create the life that you want. So if you are interested in joining that program for only $39 a month, you can go and register at arisetoconnect.com slash achievement. And I am so excited to see you there and to help you get to that next level in life because, man, that's where everything starts to go right and happen for you. So go again, register right now at arisetoconnect.com slash achievement. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside of that program and every month so that we can get you working towards that goal and that dream life that you want. Thanks and have an amazing day. Go out and make your life what you want it to be.